Welcome to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Englander. Today's episode is sponsored by our company, Sales Schema, and we are a fractional new business team for marketing agencies and related marketing service companies. Even if you're not at the point of being able to hire a company like ours, I still want to do my best to help out. And today we are giving away access to our most recent recorded video training titled Relationship Driven New Business at Scale, emphasis on at scale. This is all about how we secure five to 20 weekly brand agency relationships for each one of our clients using tasteful email outreach centered on personal and or business commonalities. A few things we cover. We cover the two big shifts that have created a huge need for this approach and why we think you should rethink uh, the way your agency builds relationships and does new business. We cover the specifics on dozens of commonalities that we have used successfully to build relationships between agencies and brand side decision makers. We cover a simple follow-up process that you can use for your team, if even if you're busy, even if you're in a mixed role between sales and client service. And we cover actual copy examples that you can use to get inspired and build your own campaigns. So if you'd like to get access to the video training, which runs about 30 minutes or so, you can do that by going to saleschema.com slash relationships. Again, saleschema.com slash relationships, plural. Today on the show, we have Tyler Lindley. So Tyler is a sales leader and he's the host of the Sales Lift podcast. And I was really fortunate enough to join recently. We had a great conversation. So I wanted to have Tyler on our show as well. Uh, and, and it was it was a great convo. Basically, we started out by talking about a little piece of software that you might know by the name of HubSpot. And I think that here at Sales Schema and on, the, uh, on, on our podcast, we often you know, complain about how people and agencies will invest in these solutions way too early before they have the resources um, to invest in them and to actually make them work. So I, it was really, you know, hardened to, to hear Tyler, Tyler's perspective on this, to hear like really what he thinks needs to be in place in order to use these tools the right way and to make them, you know, really make your agency shine. So I got a lot out of this conversation and I think you will too. And without further ado, please give it up for Tyler Lindley. Tyler. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so, so many places to go, you know, marketing automation, sales, HubSpot. I guess maybe my, for, for a good jumping off point is just kind of like, what's what's new at HubSpot? What are you working on these days? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think a lot is new at HubSpot. Um, you know, HubSpot started as a marketing automation tool, as a lot of folks know, way back when, and started with the concept of inbound that has become pretty popular. And, uh, but... Now inbound is just de facto. Everybody does inbound. You've got to be doing it along with outbound. I think you've the best strategy is doing a little bit of both. So uh, I think HubSpot's growing up as a uh, as a as a platform. You know, instead of just being a marketing tool, I think we're we're becoming a CRM platform that has marketing, sales, and service um, that that is really primed for companies ready to scale up quickly. Um, and you can't really just scale with marketing automation. I think that's one piece of the puzzle but you need to have sales engagement tools to allow your reps to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations. You need to be, you know, giving great service post sales. So uh, following up with clients and making sure you're delighting them after the sale. So I think HubSpot is kind of attacking that whole go to market arm of your, of your business from marketing sales and service and wrapping it all into a friendly package where everything is uh, 
everything is pointing back to the same contact record and the same CRM. Cause a lot of folks have these multiple systems and data is everywhere and it's a little bit messy. So HubSpot aims to kind of clean some of that up and make some of that data more actionable. So. Right. Right. That makes sense. And can, can you talk just to back up a little bit, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what your day to day is like and what, you know, what areas you're focusing on and what you're selling and so on at this point? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I am in channel sales at HubSpot, meaning I I work with our agency partners. HubSpot has about 5,000 agency partners all over the world that we partner with to sell HubSpot. Actually, over, over half of HubSpot is sold with the help of an agency partner. So it's a huge revenue driver for the company. And so I've got a group of those agency partners that I work with on... Uh, my background is in sales and sales leadership. So I work with them on kind of setting up some of their sales processes, systems, um, and helping to position HubSpot when it makes sense. Um, but really just helping to enable them from a sales perspective to, uh, to you know, go through a pipeline and have be kind of that outside sales coach or, or mentor that they may have never had. You know, a lot of agency owners don't have a sales background. They come from a creative, creative background. So we kind of bring on the channel side of things, bring some of that sales leadership that can be really impactful for a small agency who may not have a ton of experience doing that. So. Right. And just to understand that a little bit better. So when you're, you know, selling um, HubSpot to, to a smaller agency, is that go, is that mainly focusing on helping them sell themselves using HubSpot or their in clients or all of the above? Um, I think it's all of the above. I think first it's easiest to use HubSpot yourself. I mean, some of our some of our agency partners that come on didn't have a CRM in place. They, you know, days kind of all over the place, so they're just keeping up with it in a spreadsheet or via email. So I think starting to use HubSpot yourself, whether that's the CRM tools, the marketing tools, the CMS for your website, I think starting to get into those tools, I think is what a lot of our agency partners do initially. And then it helps for them to better position their um, you know, HubSpot to their clients because they're using it themselves and they're able to, like I use our sales tools every day. So it's really easy to sell our sales tools because I use them all the time. So I think we try to get our agencies to do the same kind of thing get into HubSpot, learn the tool. I mean, you've got to buy the tool, um, at least a certain amount of it to be in the program. So you've already paid for it. You might as well now use it. So then you can better position it to your clients. Yeah, exactly. And so, so kind of starting with, you know, using HubSpot for internally, you know, selling and marketing the agency. I think one dynamic that I know you're familiar with that we see a lot is an agency that has gotten from zero to one on, on their network and referrals and kind of like, you know, really not a lot of established like sales practices. Maybe there's an owner or like one or two salespeople. And then, you know, they're like, well, we should get HubSpot. And then it's, it's sort of like going, I always likened it to, to renting or buying an 18 wheeler to move your one bedroom apartment. You know? <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you've got this massive sophisticated piece of equipment that may or may not be, maybe may be like extreme overkill for what you need when, you know, it's really just talking about going from there. So first I'd love to hear, you know, if, if you agree, disagree with that, you know, and it's okay if you disagree, yeah. uh, maybe like what, how you can better prepare to, you know, be, be ready to take on a tool like HubSpot. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think, first of all, it depends on, did you already have a tool in place? Like are you using Infusionsoft or Keep or ActiveCampaign or MailChimp? Are you already using a tool like that to manage your business or are you not using really anything at all? Um, because if you're not using anything, I think you can start with just HubSpot's free tools. We give away our CRM for free. So while we do have the 18-wheeler, which is kind of some of our pro or enterprise tools that can be, can be expensive for a small company... 
We also have like free and starter tools that can be less than a hundred bucks a month. So I would say start where you are. Don't start where you think you need to be. Um, you know, don't, don't bite off more than you can chew, I guess. And, and, and for a lot of folks, that means just starting with the free tools, like using our free CRM or just using tools that uh, like some of our starter tools, which would be for great for doing some list segmentation and email marketing and some, uh, you know, connecting it to your, to your Gmail so that you have, you know, emails flowing in and, and those notifications for opens and clicks happening. So I would say there's a lot of entry points with HubSpot from very, very little to very, very massive. So choose, choose that entry point that makes sense for you. And it doesn't always mean the pro or the enterprise tools just because, you think that's what I need to have because um, it may not be what you need to have. A lot of our, we have a lot of customers who've only used our free tools and have never paid HubSpot a dime and that's all they need. Uh, so I would say as an agency, figure out what you need, figure out your entry point and then kind of grow, grow with HubSpot versus putting that square peg in the round hole too early. Um, otherwise, you know, may make sense to stay with your current tool until you're ready to make that jump. So. Yep, that makes sense. So with that in mind and kind of, you know, HubSpot um, aside, kind of just thinking about general best practice a little bit. So there's so much that you can be doing, right? There's there's the newsletter and then there's there's free tools with the CRM and that sort of thing. So I want to kind of figure out like what's a good jumping off point. So if I'm, you know, a busy agency executive and I'm doing sales, maybe let's say max like five hours a week when I have time, what what what's that sort of basic starter pack I should be thinking about? Like what, not just in terms of the tools, but in terms of like how I budget my time between a CRM, between the newsletter and anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's tough. I mean, I think for me, I think agency owners should be focused on building their personal brand and their personal network. I think that, you know, especially in a small company where you're the face of the company, I think there's nothing more important than doing that. And I think a lot of that can just be doing some personal content yourself, um, whether that's related to your eight. I mean, I think it should be related to your agency, probably geared towards your target audience. And, you know, you should, you should be putting that content out regularly, whether that means starting a podcast or putting out a newsletter or having a blog that's speaking to that target audience that you're, that you're after. I think that's a great starting point. You honestly don't need any tools to do that. You need a cell phone and I guess that's it. Maybe, you know, internet connection. So, uh, but, it, but it takes like being intentional. You know, we talked about this when you were on my show, like it takes being intentional with that strategy, like being intentional about what you want. Who do you want to target? What is that message that you're going to be putting out there? And then just pounding that same message over and over again, repurposing the hell out of that same message. I think a lot of people worry like, oh, I can't, I can't say that same thing again because I just said that last week. It's like, no, you need to be saying the same thing over and over and over again because your audience, your target audience is seeing one out of every 10 of your messages. So you want that one to be the exact right message to that exact right person. So I would say like work on building that personal brand, that personal, um, you know, marketing, if you will, like doing some of that inbound. I think that is a great place to start. And then from there, it should naturally open up to having some sales conversations, which, you know, we can go down that path if you want, but, you know, like learning how to run a good discovery call, I think is really important. Uh, learning how to position, you know, your offering, like, what do you do on the front end? Are you doing a foot in the door offer? Are you positioning a retainer right off the bat? You know, there's a variety of best practices, I think, from that point. But if you don't have 
if you're not creating a lot of those initial conversations, then what's the point of getting good at a discovery call if you're not having any? So I think you've got to start with like doing some of these, some of this inbound and creating some of this energy around your brand and your message. And then from there, you can then learn how to, how to do run an effective sales process. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really good point. Cause you know, I definitely run into that myself where I'll, I'll sound like a broken record in my own head and just sound uh, <laughs> annoying to myself, but I, you have to remember that, you know, you're not that important and most people are going to get it until the 10th time. So I think that's, that's worth, worth repeating um, to nerd out a little bit more though. Uh, so, so, you know, I'd love to just kind of understand, like help people understand what best practices they should be implementing when they're in that CRM. I think we see a lot of, kind of tendency to try to over automate or overthink it and that sort of thing. And what what we do, you know, just internally at sales schema is we have, we're on a different CRM and, but it doesn't matter. Um, And there's a filter that tells us, okay, this person hasn't been contacted in 30 days. And then once we, we can basically see those people and there isn't like an automated thing we do once somebody hasn't been contacted in 30 days, but it's a filter that we look at and then we can decide, mm-hmm. okay, maybe we'll do a mail merge to a bunch of people. Maybe we'll do an individual outreach. Maybe we'll invite them on, invite them on a webinar. So we, it's sort of like semi-automation. It's more just an alert that kind of lets us know when to think about kicking people back into gear. So I'd love to understand like, um, What's, you know, what do you recommend in that regard? Is there a cadence for reaching back out to old prospects that HubSpot's helping with? Like, what are you seeing to be effective in that, in that regard? Yeah. What, what CRM do y'all use internally, Dan? Oh, we use Streak. Okay. Gotcha. So, you know, I think a lot of this, at the end of the day, a lot of these tools do a lot of the same thing. Like if you want to set up a filter view, like what we're talking about in HubSpot based on no activity in the last 30 days, um, you can do the same thing in HubSpot. I'm sure you could do it in any, in, in most CRMs. If you can't, that's probably an issue. That's probably a red flag. Like, why can't I do this in my CRM? So I would say setting up some of the same kind of things within HubSpot. I mean, if we start to get, uh, if you're starting to talk about, sounds like you're mentioning reaching out to old prospects, like close loss deals, it sounds like is potentially one opportunity. I mean, I think you know, just building a view and then sending a campaign to those folks, whether that's a one-off campaign or you can set up, you know, a sear a drip campaign inside of HubSpot where you can touch those people over time. I mean, I think you should be doing that with all all people that have never bought from you that are inside your inside of your web until they unsubscribe, until they say, hey, I'm sick of you. I think you should be reaching out to them periodically. Uh, and reaching out with hopefully some helpful content. Like going back to like inbound is is not just creating content. Inbound is being helpful. It's a helpful human approach to doing business. And I think what you can, you can use like this inbound content that you create in your outbound strategy. You can, because what are you going to say in these emails? Hey, you know, I'm sales schema and I offer outbound sales services. Like you can only say that so many times versus Hey, I'm Dan, and here's a trend I'm seeing that's really helping five-person agencies scale to ten people uh, by doing a targeted, you know, LinkedIn strategy over a sixty-day period. You know, this is there's this is some results that we've seen. Uh, here's a blog article. Here's a podcast episode that I talked about it. You know, if you ever need any help, here's my meetings link, kind of a thing at the bottom. P.S. So I think like being in having like a lot of great content that you can put out to your audience in an outbound way. But, but you've got to have something to say to them. And hopefully it's more than just buy my services or book a meeting with me. It's got to be like, 
I know you, I know what you go through because I know so much about who my target audience is. And here's some ideas that I, here's what I'm seeing in the market. Here's, here's a conversation I had on a podcast. Here's something I think would be relevant to you specifically. And you can do that in one-to-one outreach. You could also do it one-to-many if you, um, if you've got those people segmented and organized in your database. I mean, you can do it either way, but you've got to have something to say. So I think we should always be focused on building that, that knowledge base and building that personal, personal brand, but the personal brand should be around thought leadership. Why should I care? Dan, what do you know that Tyler doesn't? How can you help me? Like those kind of things, I think separate, you know, the folks that end up with those initial discovery calls and the folks that end up, you know, getting unsubscribed from. So. Yeah. And, and I've, I've heard that, that drumbeat for so long and I'm, I'm not saying I disagree with it. I think that, that, that has its place. And like, you know, we're putting out, obviously doing a podcast right now, you know, putting out content constantly, but it's always sort of a push pull to me. And I'm always sort of trying to figure out the best way to do it internally because, you know, we're, we're, we're selling to, and this is true for our clients too. They're selling to, you know, CMOs of Fortune 500 brands or whatever. We're selling to agencies where there's an executive that's managing dozens and dozens of people and clients and that sort of thing that I'm always trying to figure out, okay, how much is reasonable for these people to, to ingest how much content, you know, <laughs> are they, is somebody, you know, can I, can I reasonably expect the CEO of a 50 person agency to get on an hour long webinar or 30 minute webinar, or even read, you know, a, a 30 page white paper and I've just, or whatever, not 30 pages, but you know what I'm saying? A, bl- a blog yeah. post, let's say. Um, and, and so far, like what, what I've seen convert well is really just, you know, being in front of people and, and sort of just reminding them that you're still there, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and then I've noticed that the content, like the stuff we're doing now tends to appeal to people that are maybe, um, either, either at an earlier stage or they might be in, in sort of a growth position within a company, right. And they're trying to improve their skills, but the ultimate decision maker that's going to be signing on the dotted line is really just sort of like, okay, timing's good now. Thanks, Dan, you're in front of me. Let's sign up. So first I'd love to, I just want to hear your thoughts on that dynamic and maybe I'm full of it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think people don't have time. Yeah, I agree. No one, no one's going to, very few people are going to sit down and listen to this full podcast episode. However, I think that there's 30 seconds of this episode that you could use strategically that, that might be relevant for a specific person. Like, Hey, that really resonated. Like what Tyler said there, that really resonated. And I'm going to send that in a 10 second little teaser. Hey, I thought this would be relevant to you. CMO, um, CMO target audience fit, uh, or, you know, just whatever, like, Hey, I've been having a sales conversation. We were just talking about this. I think those kind of things like repurposing this 30 minutes into 20 second snacks, I think are, would be an effective way to go about it. Cause yeah, Few people have time to look at everything. Um, And then I think you've got to decide, like, are you going to go top? Are you going to the top? Are you going to go straight to, because typically like that CMO is not making decisions in a silo, like, you know, challenger sailing and, you know, challenger buying these days, like you've got at larger organizations, five to eight people in the buying, in the decision-making process. And any of those people can derail your deal. So if you're, I think you should be focusing, focus on the company, focus on an account that you want to get into. And yeah, the CMO is the end decision maker. They probably even have somebody above them at the executive level or, or the CFO that would have to sign on the dotted line to give you 10 grand a month. But at the end of the day, there's probably five to eight people inside that organization that are involved in the decision. So don't just view this as if I don't get to the CMO, if they don't listen to my podcast, then I'll never, you know, I'll never get into this account. 
you sometimes have to go bottom up. You've got to figure out, okay, who else might be involved in this decision? Oh, there's a marketing manager over there. Oh, there's a junior copywriter over here. Oh, this person's doing social media. So if you start making all these little touches and these little inroads, then all of a sudden it's like, well, who the heck is this Dan guy from sales schema? You know, he's, he's over here. He's talking to, he's talking to this gal over here, this guy over here. And like, everybody's getting to know Dan such that then when, if you do, you know, get to the, hopefully get to the top, whether that's inside or you get directly to the CMO, you've already got like some relationships built up and some credibility versus just, you know, I'm just, I'm just now meeting Dan for the first time. Nobody on my team knows like, Hey, everybody, here's Dan and what he has to offer. That's a lot harder of a sell. So sometimes it's easier doing that bottom up approach and getting those influencers bought in because they might end up pushing you up or, or at least they'll have some familiarity with you and wouldn't derail the deal. Should you finally get to that CMO? So. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a really good point. And I think what's what's um, challenging, you know, for lots, of, especially small organizations, is that consistency because you you know you don't always get that feedback loop. You don't always get the the reward of knowing that your content has converted somebody until it happens, which might be months down the road. And then it's like, hey, I saw this thing you put out, you guys put out a while back, or or whatever. So I think that's that's the tough thing. So with that in mind, you know, what have you seen work in terms of how to delegate this and how to make sure that you know, you are putting out content regardless of how busy or not busy you are. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have, you've got to have a roadmap for what you want to do with your content. It starts with your ideal customer profile. And then, and then it's about building out like what makes you different. Who do you want? Okay. I'm, I'm starting a podcast. Like what guests do I want to interview? What kind of conversations do I want to have? What are, what are my call to actions in a pod, from a podcast, from a newsletter, from a blog post, from a social post, like where do I want to send people? And then, you know, having those, those kind of paths that you can uh, get people into your, into your, onto your email list and start nurturing those folks internally. I think you've got to outline all of that to begin with, and then have, have people internally that are responsible for this part of that process or this part and, and who's, who's actually sending it out, who's clicking send or scheduling these posts over time, that kind of thing. And then from there, you've got to intentionally like make time to do prospecting. I mean, this is the hardest part is that no one likes to do prospecting. I mean, you could put two hour block of prospecting on your calendar and you end up doing five minutes of prospecting during that time because you're so ner- you, you don't set yourself up for success. You don't actually make a list of people you're going to call or reach out to online uh, or you're just scared. Prospecting is scary. It's scary to reach out to strangers with, you know, you're worried about rejection. You're worried about interrupting their day. You're worried about being, you know, just, just not welcome. And so I think you've got to learn to get comfortable with that. You know, all this inbound and creating content is great, but at some point you've got to actually have a conversation. Like you can't, no one can buy your $5,000 a month retainer from a blog post. I mean, if they can, great. That's awesome. You figured out how to do that self-service. But at the end of the day, a lot of these agency services are still human to human at the end of the day. Someone is talking and having a sales conversation. And that's the next piece of this puzzle. Like all we've been talking about inbound and, and creating content. That's great to fill the top of the pipeline. But if you don't know how to move somebody from interested to signature, then then that's that's how you that's how you stay in business. So uh, so I think that becomes a crucial piece is like what is your sales process? Who's running it? Like who's doing the initial touches? Who's running a discovery call? Do they know how to run a discovery call? What questions do you ask on a discovery call? What what's the exit criteria to go from discovery to demo or to you know proposal? 
do you, do you even have that defined? So, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who get worried about the end of the beginning of the sales process, like inbound, how do I, how do I feel? I need more prospects. I need more prospects or the end. How do I close better? How do I close better? You win and lose deals like in the middle. You win and lose deals in discovery. And a lot of people stink at discovery. So I think those are the things that you need to start really working on once you have enough prospects to talk to, uh, once you feel like you have services to offer on the back end that you can actually, you know, close and it's, and it's relevant to that person. It's like, get, how do I get really good at that, at the middle of the sales process, which is the discovery. Right, right. And uh, kind of getting towards the end of the time, I think we could probably do a whole other episode on later in the funnel sales. And I hope we do, because I think that would be really interesting. Um, but, you know, what I've found with sales is it's really, you know, it really is a place of continual learning. And it's not like you learn a bunch and then that you're good. It's more like, it's more like a cup of water that you keep drinking and then you have to keep filling it up again, you know? And I just find that, you know, it's really easy to fall back on bad habits and so on. And then there's, there's stuff that I've learned, you know, all the time, even like a decade into, into doing it or so. So I guess with that, I'd love to just kind of like personalize this a bit. Like what, what, you know, what have you learned recently that's helped you in, in your, your game, so to speak? Yeah. Specifically, you're talking about kind of sales skills. What have I learned? Yeah. Yeah. What comes to mind? Yeah. So one thing that comes to mind and I've, I've done this throughout my career, but uh, Sandler's big on doing upfront contracts and I've kind of glossed over. Are you familiar with upfront contracts, Dan? Yeah. So I've kind of, I've, I've gone in and out on like how formal I want my upfront contract to be. But at the end of the day, it kind of goes back to the point I was just making about exit criteria for a deal to move on from discovery to the next stage. I think it's important that you set the stage for every call. Um, as a sale, if you're doing sales and you're running an effective sales process, you are the quarterback and you are setting the tone for that meeting and a good upfront contract on every call, no matter if it's a discovery call, the first time you're talking with somebody, it's a closing conversation. It's, you know, no matter where you are in the sales process, you need to do an upfront contract and you need to make sure that everybody's aligned on why are we here? What is the goal of the call today? How much time are we going to spend? At the end of the call, we're going to agree to do one of two things, A or B. Are you comfortable making that decision at the end of the call? And then setting clear next steps. You know, we're going to set some clear next steps from there. So I think if you have that little 30 second, 60 second, upfront contract for every single conversation, you at least know you're going to start the call correctly. Now the call might go off the rails immediately after the upfront contract, but at least you're in control at the beginning. And at least you've gotten some agreed, agree, you want to get them to agree to next steps at the beginning of the call. We are going to agree on moving in direction A or direction B at the end of that call. Are you comfortable doing that? If you can at least get them to buy into that, then at the end of the call, it makes it a lot more natural to say like, hey, I think we've had a great conversation. You know, the next step in the process is typically I would talk with other members of your team, um, you know, or, or it may not be a good fit at this time. Like which direction do you feel like we should go? Or I'd love to chat with those other members right now. Like go ahead and assumptively, you know, assume that they're going to go in a positive direction. So, but I think doing an effective upfront contract is always a good choice. And it's something that people rarely do and rarely if they do it at all, or they just gloss over it. They do it, you know, they barely do it. Hey, today we're going to, I'm going to learn a lot about you. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. And then we're going to determine uh, if you're a good fit for our services. Does that sound good? You know, like that's not a great upfront contract because what are they really agreeing to there? That's, that's what everybody says. It needs to be more clearly defined, more, you know, here's the roadmap for this call. Here's the direction we could go at the end. 
And then you, I think you've got an, a more, a better chance of having an effective call at that point. So. Yeah, that's, I couldn't agree more. And that's something that is, uh, that, that, you know, we've been working on a lot more. And I think that uh, it's not unlike any, you know, any good book or movie <laughs> is that you kind of get a feel for, you know, okay, Star Wars is going to be the hero's journey and, and so on. Like this, these things are going to happen in this, in this order. And you can almost, you know, you can almost have anything play out as long as you set that expectation. <laughs> that that's how it's going to go. So I think that's, that's really good. And there's a lot of repeating. So, so Tyler, I guess with that, um, where, where can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, certainly. I'm pretty active on, on LinkedIn. So you can search me there, Tyler Lindley, L I N D L E Y. Um, I have my personal website, tylerlindley.com. And I have a podcast that Dan just joined for an episode, uh, that we released, uh, just a, just a few weeks ago. And that is the sales lift. So you can go to the saleslift.com or just search the sales lift anywhere where you get podcasts. So awesome. Tyler, thanks again, man. And yeah, let's do it again soon. Let's do a more, uh, let's nerd out on sales and get, yeah. Get, yeah. Let's do part two of like running an effective sales process from discovery to close. I think, I think a lot of people will get a lot and, of, and then the last one will be yacht shopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Immediately, yeah. immediately transition. Right yacht shopping. <laughs> Love thanks Dan. Appreciate awesome. it. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. Again, today's episode is sponsored by our company, Sales Schema. We are a fractional new business team for growth-focused boutique agencies and related marketing service companies. But even if you're not at the point of hiring us yet, I still really want to do you solid by giving you access for free, by the way, to our latest recorded video training. And that is titled Relationship Driven New Business at Scale, emphasis on at scale. And basically, this is how we secure around five to 20 weekly brand agency relationships for each one of our clients using tasteful email outreach centered on personal and or business commonalities that our clients share with the people they're reaching out to. So a few things that we cover, we cover the two big shifts that have informed this big strategy shift uh, and why we think you should rethink the way that you are doing new business, most likely at your agency. Uh, we talk about dozens of specific commonalities that we use to build relationships between our clients and brand side decision makers. We go over a simple, manageable follow-up process that you or your team can use, even if you're busy, even if you're in a mixed sales client service role. And we actually go over specific copy examples that you can use to get inspired and build your own campaigns. So if you'd like to get access to this roughly 30 minute video training, you can do that by going to saleschema.com slash relationships. Again, that's saleschema.com slash relationships, plural. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Digital Agency Growth Podcast.